0: From six. On 2FM. Thanks to the two Johnnies. It's Friday, the 10th of February, and this is Game On. Coming up today, Fergal Brennan and Alan Colley on the weekend's Premier League action as Pep backs his bosses after a week of scrutiny. In hurling, Shane McGrath will tell us if round two of the Allianz League can match last weekend. In rugby, we'll hear from the Irish camp ahead of France versus Ireland and we've racing news and weekend action to discuss with Jane Mannion. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM.
1: Game
0: On on 2FM. Uh, welcome along to this Friday evening show. Alan Colley is with me in studio. Alan, is this the last Friday before the League of Ireland returns? This time next week, Marie. <laughs> this
1: time next week, I'll be in Turner's Cross, getting ready for Cork City against Bohemians. And the countdown is on. So, yeah, we're only seven days out. The President's Cup is obviously tonight with Shamrock Rovers and Derry, the curtain raiser for the league. And I'm really looking forward to it, Marie.
0: Yeah, it will come around so quickly. And it's such a big year for football. We got an Ireland women's squad today. I was really looking forward to it uh, for a number of reasons because we're in the World Cup year now. Like, it is going to be um, on in just a few months. So the reality is that Veera is going to have to start making decisions about who she's going to have in her squad. Um, there's only going to be a few tests between now and when they head off to um, Australia and New Zealand for that World Cup. So we know, we knew before this squad that after Ireland qualified for the World Cup, Vera Pau got a few emails. She said that there have been people in touch who want to go and play for Ireland now that they've got to the World Cup. And look, that's fair. I mm. understand mm. Um so, two of them, well, I presume these are the girls that sent emails because there's two new faces uh, in the squad that, well, two um, two real standout ones. And that's Manchester United centre back Aoife Mannion and Washington Spirits Marissa Shiva. We'll talk about them in a the sec, but let's first hear from uh, Vera Powell on
2: them. Eva Mannion is a centre defender. Um, she was already on our radar before she unfortunately ruptured her ACL. Um, I've spoken with uh, the coach and he's very very happy that we have invited her because he thinks she's ready to get to her old self but he cannot offer her the competitive game so it's a very good cooperation with uh, Manchester United and this is the only moment that we can decide whether we go ahead with her or not. Marisha Shiva, uh, she plays for Wash the Spirit um, she's an attacking midfielder uh, and she came on the radar because she said that she was already busy for two years to get an Irish passport because her whole heart is here and she wanted to play for Ireland. Um, so we, we were a bit surprised because usually it's the other way around that we go to them, but um, if a manion has the clearance of FIFA, Marissa Shiva didn't need a clearance because she only wanted to play for Ireland so she did everything herself to make that happen.
0: So that's great to have these yeah. two new players we'll obviously get to see them now over the, the next while so Mannion qualifies uh, through her parents and Shiva through her grandparents her grandfather's from Tyrone and grandmother from Donegal Mannion did play under age level for England she was called up at senior level and um, she wasn't capped and do you know what though Al? like in fairness to Vera when you look at the players that she's brought in they're two kind of players that we need so we do need another kind of attacking option and definitely a, a defender so like it does seem that she's not going around just picking players for the sake of it Mm. to bring them in that these are actually roles that need to be filled and she's always said she's going to put the best squad that she possibly can onto the plane and these two now will be interesting to
1: watch yeah absolutely and I think when you get to this level Marie and you're qualifying for World Cups there's no room for sentiment really there's no
0: it? room for loyalty Al
1: there's not there's absolutely <laughs> not where, it, where it's very much a business uh, that we're in and as I say when you're going over to compete on the world stage she wants to bring mm-hmm. the best players and the best squad available to her because she's trying to obviously um, enhance her reputation as well Vera so um, I think it's good I think it's good for the squad I think it's good for competition in amongst the squad as well because there's there there's plus and minus is to this in the sense that she has kind of gone with a squad that the team nearly picks itself for me and the squad picks itself and we've obviously followed all the games up to now and we could nearly name 9 or 10 of the starters yeah. every game which is a good thing because one thing that I'm always hugely positive on is when there's continuity in team selection no matter what club you're playing at or what country Or if you can name 9 or 10 out of your 11 every week you're doing something right Are
0: you listening Graham Potter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but on the other side I think competition is good as well for our places amongst the squad and keeping them hungry and even fresh faces coming into the squad as well uh, you don't want the group becoming stale or um, and as I say with two new players coming in like that especially Mannion, who's playing at a very high level obviously with Man United um, and Shiva the fact that she is coming in mm-hmm. so determined that yeah. basically as Vera said in the interview there that they, she contacted them normally it's the other way around we were having to chase players maybe but she is so determined and hell-bent on representing Ireland which again um, how can you turn that down
0: absolutely um, other good news Rusha Little John Megan Conley, and Heather Payne have returned to the squad they missed last November's friendly win or last November's win over Morocco but Niamh Fahy Svan McCarthy Chloe Mustaki, Ellen Malloy Jess Sue Colville and Leanne Kiernan are missing out through injury and um, there's more players out than there is coming back
1: yeah but I think the big thing there is the three that are coming back yeah. because those three that you name Ruisha Littlejohn um, Megan, Megan as well like and Heather obviously they're three mainstays of the team they'll start in the first game mm-hmm. uh, in the World Cup I have no doubts about that whatsoever because Ruisha brilliant in midfield Heather has been such an outlet for them all over um, and Megan is very versatile as well in the sense that she can play a centre half which she has dropped into but obviously she's very strong in midfield with Ruisha mm-hmm. as well and um,
0: Needs a big
1: loss, she is before yeah. her experience as well. But hopefully there's plenty of time obviously maybe yeah. to, to get them back, Marie. Um, but I think it's only positive and you say it won't be long coming around now. Like we're into February now. Yeah. The countdown is on. I think there's going to be, there's obviously this camp and a couple of friendlies and then there's going to be two more friendlies I think it is before um, the girls jet off and it's going to be, it's actually exciting to be fair. It's really exciting and I'm really so looking exciting. forward to it.
0: Really exciting, yeah. I was at, um, I went to see uh, Dior LR waves and P mount mm. last week in a in a preseason friendly and, and I don't think I would have done that if it wasn't for all the excitement about the Ireland women's team. I would. I think
1: you would have done it anyway. Well, maybe I would have. <laughs> you know, I'm looking
0: at champion the Champions League quarterfinals, the women's ones today, and like again, I'm like you know I'm, I'm going to go and watch one of them and and I'll go and watch a. Um, semi-final as well and I think it's just all building into when you're talking so much about women's football you automatically have more of an interest in it and you start to think about things that you want to go and do and see and like traditionally Al I wouldn't have looked at the Women's Champions League quarter-finals I would have said I'm going to go to the men's just, game. Yeah. But now, like, yeah. my family are heading off over to Liverpool and Real Madrid and Real Madrid and Liverpool. But I'm like, OK, I'm just going to go off to one of the women's games by, my, you know, one of my friends. And, mm. like, I'm delighted with that. So it just shows how the mindset can change.
1: Yeah, and not alone that, I think the fact that the opportunity is there now, Marie, because the standard has been raised so high, the exposure that the girls are getting at every level, no matter what country you're playing in. So... That is only kind of feeding into your psyche in terms of I want to go and watch that yeah. now because they've become events like yeah. those games they're selling out 60, 70, 80,000 like yeah. we spoke here a few weeks ago about the big game that was obviously going on in the WSL with Chelsea and Arsenal mm-hmm. and you were making the point that people were getting in contact with you who were travelling over just for that match <laughs> yeah. like I went over last Sunday just to see mm-hmm. Spurs and Man City as a men's match but now people as you say because the exposure is so good and the st- their standard is so good yeah. people are going over across England to watch those games and the
0: girls are becoming household names as well so you know like I'm going to watch um P. Mount D. L. R. and you know, and I'm watching Karen Duggan and I know her because I'm seeing her on the television mm. and, and she's doing commentary and you know I'm looking at the young players coming through and I and I, and I know Joy Ralph is playing for the underage Ireland team and I've been following her just from looking at the match the match results and the teams and all the rest and then I'm getting to see her play mm. so it's because now we're getting more exposure to what's happening in the women's game, just it's generating interest and it's attracting fans and I guess I'm probably just the perfect example of it and I know I work in it but still like I'm first and foremost a fan and you know that like I'd go mm. to matches every day of the week Um but I've started to go to more women's games not consciously, it's it's subconsciously yeah, it's, which
1: is great it's all positive Marie it really is like you look across the board now even in terms of the domestic league here mm-hmm. and trying to grow that and there's a long way to go but still again the exposure in terms of social media accounts in yeah. terms of clubs the clubs aren't like aren't just looking at maybe giving the men's the, the majority share on their social media accounts it's both yeah. like I look every day we get notified about signings with League of Ireland clubs or and every time one comes in it's it's a, a girl signing for Shamrock Rovers, yeah. rather than a, men, a man signing or whatever so I think the split is where it should be now as well amongst the clubs and the clubs deserve credit as well for that Marie because uh, they only want to enhance that and make it better and now you're going to show me some little
0: I walked into Johnny's studio before this <laughs> and I there just left on the table was um, a pack of cards like a, a bigger than a, a playing card And they are of all the Bohemians women's players. So like imagine if you're a young girl and you're sitting at home. I know people can't see these, but like Mia Dodd and they give you her height and her caps and her position. And the year she was born, when she made her debut, a little bit of information on her, a picture of her. And they're just there's one for every single team player. In this, like having these and been able to see all of the players, it's just brilliant marketing. But it's no mm. more than they deserve as well.
1: No, and they look great, Marie. They are yeah. really professionally done. So I bows are leading the way and stuff like that as well. Um, but as I say, you, all the clubs deserve credit for for kind of um, not just the interest they're showing, but but how they want to develop their side of things as well in terms of their own club mm-hmm. and letting the girls have the same exposure as what the boys which is the way it should be and like as I say we've been following um, the women's journey up to now as such in terms of the national team, here they are getting ready to to line out in the World Cup, it's only going to get bigger and better Marie to to be be, fair, it's going to be amazing
0: and just to give it a little bit of credit, it's Dublin Bus are are the partner here as well so they're obviously on board with Mm. promoting the the women's team as well. I have taken these cards off the two Johnnies now. If they're looking from the back, they'll have to I want to know them. why they were sent
1: to the two Johnnies and not in their tombery.
0: Yeah, and just because I've mentioned the women's Champions League, Champions League quarterfinals, so just to go um, through the draw: uh, Bayern Munich and Arsenal, uh, Lyon, Chelsea, Roma, Barcelona, PSG, and Wolfsburg. So I was looking at the games earlier, trying to decide which one to go to. And I can't because they're absolute crackers. So I said once the, um, once the fixtures have been confirmed, I'll go and see where the cheapest flight is to and then I'll, I'll pick which one to go to. And even
1: you look at Chelsea and Arsenal, they're among the favourites. like like, that. It's like, And we keep saying it about, I suppose, across the water and obviously they have huge resources and investment behind it. But you look at the games at the weekend and obviously Sky are back in that as well. But they've come on so much. Um, Chelsea and Arsenal are so good, Marianne. They're I'd say they're the favourites to win it now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that will be brilliant. Uh, just before we move on from the Ireland women's team, Power was asked, of course, about the fact that their send-off game against France will not be in the Viva Stadium, that it will be in Tallis Stadium. Um, she said they tried, it's not possible. They're going to make a massive party in Tallis Stadium. Um, Al, you've been there all the way along, as in you've, seen, you've been in the Viva Stadium to see some of the uh, Cup Final games when there hasn't been a lot of the Women's Cup Final games a lot of people at them you've seen the women then play in Tallis Stadium uh, it's one of those ones where it's 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 hard to know what's right with it um, what's better having a Tallis Stadium that you're definitely going to sell out or been in a situation where you might not sell out the Aviva and having to worry about that
1: yeah and um I suppose I was very strong on this Marie when we go back to when we used to share the cup final with the the women's game on prior to the men's game and It was a complete non-event and it was so unfair on the girls and it was the wrong thing to do having a game on Mm -hmm. at 12 o'clock with maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred people at it. Almost like a sideshow to the the men's main game. And I was always shouting and saying, like, you're doing a disservice to the game here rather than actually helping it by having it in the Aviva under those circumstances. So when they decided to move to Tala and have a standalone fixture on a Sunday or whatever day it was, and I was obviously out at the last one there last year and being at the mall. And... It's it's an occasion. It's become an occasion now. The cup final out in Tala, and Tala has become the home of women's football in terms of the national team as well. And if you're selling out seven, eight thousand for all the games which they have done, it makes for a brilliant atmosphere and a brilliant nightmare Then now they're at the stage where obviously they're they're they've qualified for a World Cup, and you're trying to maybe move it on a bit. And I actually think there's a genuine case to have a game in the Aviva before mm. they go away. Now that may depend on. Like the stuff we were chatting about last week with Croke Park. And, yeah, and well, it's all, not
0: going to happen because they're, they're, they're resurfacing. There's planned development. Work, and that's what so, I mean.
1: Whereas yeah. like, it's easy for us to say, I'll oh, have a game, but we don't know what's yeah. going on behind the scenes in terms of, say, for example, Croke Park last week when everybody was shouting for the boxing with Katie Taylor. But there's a whole lot of other factors that that, that are at play. I'd say it's the same with the Aviva. But I definitely think if it was if they were able to make it happen, I think there's a case to be made for them to have a game there if it was the likes of an England or a USA mm-hmm. or whatever, because the support that's behind this team now, Marie, they would fill out the yeah. Aviva.
0: Maybe a homecoming because it's not going to be one beforehand now at this stage.
1: No. But I think that's probably, and again, it's a positive conversation mm-hmm. because it's at the stage where if you had to say to me 18 months ago, two years ago, would we, have, would we be having this conversation about a women's international in the You would have said no but now they're having conversations about that yeah
0: big time Um, Okay, let's leave that there a little bit of news before we move on to uh, some rugby audio so Ireland will not be sending teams to the men's and women's world boxing championships after the Irish Athletic Boxing Association voted to boycott the upcoming events in India and Uzbekistan in a mark of protest against alleged corruption in the International Boxing Association Irish referees and judges will also not officiate at either tournament and Mondello Park has announced that they will be unable to run any motor racing events at the venue motorcycle racing events at the venue this year due to ongoing insurance issues. Now uh, let's move on to rugby. We do have a competition today. So on the show we're teaming up with PwC to give you a chance to grab yourself some cash before Ireland's under 20 Six Nations campaign continues against France tonight after last week's win in Wales. The game kicks off at 8pm and is live on RTE2 television. PwC are official sponsors of Ireland's under 20 team and last Like the rest of us, they'd love to see Ireland retain the Grand Slam they won last season. Thanks to PwC, we've got €400 in cash from PwC to give away. To begin with the chance of winning, we want you to answer the following question. Where is tonight's Ireland-France under-20 match being played? Text your answer and name to 51552 and we'll announce the winner before the end of the show. As always, ORTE's competition terms and conditions apply. See 2fm.ie for all of the details. Now, um, Alan, huge match tomorrow uh, in the rugby, Ireland versus France. There is a lot of questions about this Ireland team that will probably be answered by tomorrow. Um, So, so many people are looking forward to this. Uh, A lot of the build-up has been Um, focused around Conor Murray Uh, Conor Murray did take part in in full captain's run this morning ahead of tomorrow's game Um, it's potentially a decisive Six Nations game against France Conor Murray's father Jerry was involved in a serious road accident on Tuesday he remains in hospital but today the Irish assistant coach John Fogarty said that Murray was in good form and the squad had rallied around him um, to support him
3: he's good he's good um, the lads are around him as well you know they're a tight very very tight group and we wish his dad, Jared the very best in his recovery. Um, but the lads are around him, and he's in good spirits. It
1: says a lot about the togetherness of the team. Basically, to be fair, that in such a difficult and trying time, that his, his teammates are, are the ones who are kind of wrap themselves around him.
3: Yeah, and it's it's important. It's important to the lads um, that they're looking after him, and uh, that's something I guess you know over the last few years that's something that's been really, really important to the group that we that we are tight. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he's, he's good. And in terms of the game tomorrow, I mean, you're up against a, a French team that is absolutely gigantic in terms of size, but bigger is not necessarily better. We've developed our game. I think we've hurt them when we, when we had some cohesion in our attack And um, the last two times. It's about putting that together now for 80 minutes. We're excited for the game tomorrow. Um, there's a lot of hunger to, to get on the field and be the best version of ourselves, you know.
0: That was John Fogarty speaking to Connor or to Michael Corcoran. Michael Corcoran also asked him about the French pack, and as uh, Michael Corcoran had said, it is ginormous. Uh, let's hear what John Fogarty had to say.
3: We've had good tussles over the years. Um, there's loads of weight, loads of weight, and they'll try and impose themselves. Um, how that works on bind, we'll see. Um, you know, someone like Antonio, he's he, um, he to deal to a lot of weight on bind. We don't want that spilling over. So Wayne Barnes will have his, his work cut out from... But we're excited, we're excited to get into it. Uh, we, you know, Italy, I thought, did a good job dealing to their size last week. We feel we're ready, you know. It has the feel of a pretty big game, doesn't it, this one? It does, yeah, it does. They, they've beaten us the last few times. Uh, the lads are a very ambitious group and we've prepared well. It's a game that a lot of people have
1: been talking about for more than a week. That's the reality about it. Like, I mean, how important is it from a, a player's point of view that it's played here in front of their friends and family?
3: It's huge. It's huge. We, we've, um, we've, had some, we've had some great games in some good stadiums. Last week was amazing, the atmosphere. And the lads have spoken about creating moments for our home crowd. And we hope everyone is, is, is out there rolling their heads off. Um, it's going to be a cracker. RTE 2FM
0: welcome back it's time to turn our attention to football Alan Colley is with me in studio Alan it's a as they all are they're all big weekends in the Premier League but the, uh, the headlines have been well and truly taken by Pep Guardiola so he was up in front of the media today and he was asked about Manchester City's 115 breaches of the Premier League's financial fair play rules this week everyone has been talking about it and he was very defensive of his club let's hear from
4: him let's ask you a very very simple question do you think that other clubs in the Premier League don't like Manchester City, don't want Manchester City, are resentful of what Manchester City have achieved? It's difficult for me to answer this question. What do you think? What do you? What do you I don't know. So <laughs> they open a precedent right now. What they have done to us? Be careful. Be careful in the future because many clubs can they make a suggestions and there are a lot of clubs that they can be accused like we have been accused without maybe being innocent. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but uh, it's a question I don't know because I can have an opinion, a feeling, but it's like the people say what the people, what the fans think, I don't know, uh, what they push to get rid of, you know, out of this, in, the, in the competitions? That, isn't, that is, is obvious. So because they believe that we didn't behave properly and we can accept that, but let us defend when we believe we did it properly. Like we show not one century ago, so just a few years ago, like the same situation happened today. I had it in the past. The same happened in the welfare, it's happened today, and we didn't learn about that. So there are a lot, a lot of things. There are suggestions. There are not a good, there are not sentenced about that. It's completely different. But do you suspect that this has been driven by the clubs? This has been driven by the other clubs. Is that what you suspect? Yeah, of course. It's a Premier League. Why do you think it's been driven by the clubs? I don't know. You have to go to the all the CEOs, Danny Levi's and all these kind of people and ask them, go to the press conference and ask them that. then do
5: it. Guardiola
0: there, Alan Cawley, is with me in studio and Fergal Brennan is on the line as well. Fergal I'm going to go to you on this because you are regularly on the... I'm going to go to you on this uh Fergal. We are talking about Pep Guardiola and his defence of Manchester City. Um, very much thinks that they haven't done anything wrong. Um, He has said in the past that if they did something wrong that he would leave the club. So (coughs) I'm not surprised that he's been uh, defensive. You're always on the beach. You're at these press conferences regularly. Does he know something that maybe everyone else doesn't?
6: I think it's a reaction. I'll be honest. I, I was on last night, and I said I, I didn't think he would be as forthright and as and as kind of prickly as he was in his press conference today. I, I don't think it's necessarily that he knows something that we don't. I think he's just seen the situation in 2020 where it went to the court of arbitration for sports, and it was eventually overturned. And, and the big punishment that was laid down at Manchester City's door was ultimately overturned, and there was no Champions League ban. The last few days have been dominated by this idea that these charges being brought forward are more severe. The Premier League will be more um, diligent and forceful in the way that they will look to investigate and the charges that they will look to bring. I think ultimately he is confident that, maybe not that they'll fizzle out, but all of the the bodies, the individuals, the organisations concerned will realise that it's not in their best interest to, to kick Manchester City out of the Premier League. Personally I don't think that's gonna be on the table anyway. Um, so I think that is his is his standpoint on this. And and he is someone that does get quite riled up in these situations and you know it's no coincidence that he's dropped Daniel Levy's name in there and he's dropped other Premier League clubs. That's a fairly common tactic in these situations. When you are looking to come out on the front foot and defend your club or in examples where you'd be defending your players you create this idea of a siege mentality. And I, and I think there's a little bit of that in his answers. He's been quite straight, he's been quite short with the questions that were asked. I don't think there's there's a secret that he's in on. I think it's just a case of the club have said, we are confident at this point mm. that we'll have to fight harder than we did in 2020. But ultimately, they will avoid the sanctions that are being thrown around.
0: Okay, well, they do play uh, Aston Villa on... Sunday will they trouble them at all?
1: Will Aston Villa Mm. trouble them? Are the issues off the pitch? (laughs)
0: Will Aston Villa (laughs) trouble
1: them? (laughs) Um, I think they might trouble them just because of the form that they're currently Mm. in Man City obviously I was at the game on Sunday and just all doesn't look well in the camp Marie not just in terms of how they're playing at the moment but just the body language of a few of the individuals as well he's made obviously a few changes to the team which he tends to do but high profile changes and obviously De Bruyne hasn't started the last couple of games and that's becoming an issue he brought him on for half an hour where's Phil Foden for the last few weeks as well he got rid of Joao Cancelo because I think there might have been a fallout there as well and he was quick to get rid of him so all doesn't seem right in the camp at the moment but they still have serious players and you look at Aston Villa at the moment and Unai Emery I think has done okay since he's come in I think they'll take care of Aston Villa to be honest with you regardless of these issues um, but I don't think it'll be as easy as what it might have been maybe when all was going swimmingly well for Man City
0: Yeah it does feel like things aren't um, going the way that they expected at the start and um, I think when you're spending so much money or you have spent so much money on so many players, Fergal, and it's a bit like the Chelsea conundrum that when there's a dip in form, it feels like it's just panic stations. You know, when you're maybe a lower club, you go through the ebbs and, and flows. But after spending so much money on Erling Haaland and not being able to get the best out of him, the natural thing is people are going to start pointing fingers either at Erling, at the people around him, at the style of play, at Pep's management. And then the fallout is that they're not performing week on, week week off.
6: I think the the main aspect of that is this idea that money immediately equals success in the Premier League. And and you rightly say, with Erling Haaland and with the millions and millions that Manchester City have spent over the last however many years, not just since Pep Guardiola's come in, since they, they were bought out over 10 years ago, ultimately when you are in a bad stretch of form or you're losing games and there's not really an explanation for it, it becomes harder. Even for someone like Guardiola, who is an encyclopedia of football and explanations and tactics and all these types of things sometimes there isn't really a reason that the spurs game last weekend was was a case of they didn't take their chances and spurs were excellent harry kane was was brilliant defensively they were really well drilled and sometimes it can be difficult to explain your way out of those situations and ultimately money is the big stick that managers and players and clubs get beaten with because the idea is always we well, have all this money why are you not winning every single game and winning every single trophy it doesn't work like that you know manchester city haven't won the champions league under pep guardiola that is the big thing for him every season because they know if they don't win the premier league they're going to be in and around they're probably going to win a domestic cup um, and the explanations that, that come out in these situations are sometimes not very clear and particularly with him he does like to go round in circles um, when he gets criticised for his selection and, and that kind of thing but ultimately they're human in, in terms of just like every other Premier League team they hit a little bit of bad form they have to react they have to show resilience they have to get their top players to step up and start performing um, because after this weekend they've got the biggest game of their season away at Arsenal in midweek
0: wow that's going to come around so mm. quickly as well
1: I think as well Marie to be fair like you you threw it in there amongst a couple of things that they're being criticised for I think I have huge sympathy for Haaland because he's what people <laughs> are the stick that people are yeah, beating him with yeah. now that oh he's come in people and people just
0: want him to fail that's just the nature of most people I don't people. think he's
1: failing He's not, but I think the situation with him and the team and, yeah. and the first thing people are jumping towards is oh to become a worse team because of him. Yeah. But if he's ac-
0: not scoring every game, it does feel like he's not delivering on his potential.
1: But I don't I don't think it's a case of the fact that the reason if he's not scoring is because he's had a bad game. The reason he's not scoring is because you look at last week the way Man City play and if and Spurs defended very well, as Fergal said. But because they're so uh, Hell bent on the way and the system that they have played mm-hmm. over and over, and it's so repetitive. In what to do? And it's brilliant, and we've all lauded it for so long. But then you throw in the likes of this fella, who's the complete opposite to what they want to do, and they're going over and back and side to side, and and almost death by a thousand passes. Yet he's still making all the I'm runs wrong. up front that he would have been making all along. De
0: Bruyne was along. able to link up well with him at he, the start
1: because he's the only one in my eyes that in, in that midfield area that looks forward straight away when he gets the ball, and he has the capability of playing that pass, and that's why they've linked up. <coughs> that inside right channel where he almost bends it round to the back post with Haaland and interestingly enough it's funny you mention him when De Bruyne came on he was the first one to play the pass in behind mm-hmm. now the pass wasn't great a kind of favour Dyer but Haaland was making them runs over and over and time after time and it gets to the stage no matter who, how good you are, Marie, or what team you're playing in, if you keep making those runs and the ball is not coming eventually you kind of say to yourself I'm not going to make these runs and there's a bit of that going on so all this kind of chat and narrative <laughs> around he's
0: going to say I'm not going to make those ones. I'm going to go to around. Madrid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he will say. But I just think it's like the the, the way the question not just not you, I'm saying the, the narrative around it all is that oh Haaland's come in, they're a lesser team. I don't think that's the case at all.
6: Fergal. I, I would agree, I think it's crazy, but it it's also as you say the, the perception of Haaland because of the standards he set Throughout the season, I'm just looking back through his numbers here. He's missed, uh, sorry, in his last five games, he's missed three games by not scoring. Prior to that, there's only been three Premier League games in the whole season that he's not scored. Because he's set this ridiculously high bar, not only if he has a bad game, if he doesn't score or even score mm-hmm. two, the questions come why hasn't he scored? Why isn't he making his impact? This is a fella who is already beyond every Golden Boot winner since 2018 he's on course to break 30, probably 35 Premier League goals in a season, which is, is almost unheard of um, over the course of the majority of the Premier League. So I, I get where the, the idea comes from, that they're a, a worse team or whatever, because they don't seem to maybe click as much, but they've got a guy that is scoring them goals that they didn't have in the past, but ultimately they're going to be measured by the Champions League and, just... and that's what's coming up
1: and just because he doesn't score me like sometimes you kind of accuse people and we've 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 all seen the type of player that might be disinterested or kind of be a bit lazy or mm. whatever the kind of luxury type player he was running and trying and working and doing everything that yeah. you would want from him well,
0: but nobody ever questions his work ethic or attitude to be fair to, the, to No but the, I, the point yeah. i'm
1: making is just because he doesn't score doesn't mean he's not interested he has he's had mm. a bad game i would actually say it was what more But you th- saying
0: he affects the game though
1: But he will affect the game if they play the passes that he wants. His, his, so are, he's it, just running around. His runs are unreal. His <laughs> movement is unreal. Honestly it's unbelievable. When you see him in the flesh and he's over and back and curving his runs and arcing his runs and doing everything that you want. No one's giving him the ball. No one's giving him the ball. <laughs> this is the problem because they're go- Rico Lewis look, is- Alan, I know we're only starting out
0: in our management careers but like surely there's a simple
1: solution to this. <laughs> like last week, the ball. Last, <laughs> last week like he played, you look at the, the midfield that he played and Rico Lewis came into midfield. Rodri, they're defensive minded yeah. players. They're not going to play that forward pass. Gundogan wasn't there uh, to Played that. He dropped him. De Bruyne came on. That was the first time he played a forward pass. And you have Grealish and Mares because they're inverted wingers are cutting in on side, so they're not getting to the byline and putting crosses in that he might have been used to at other clubs. So I would have major sympathy with, with Haaland.
0: I have my first match on Sunday, by the way. My first real match <laughs> on Sunday with the under seven team. And I'm so nervous. I'm right.
1: Yeah, yeah honestly. I'm
0: like looking at my my, my team going, who am I going to play where?
1: I'll have a pep talk with yeah. you. Make sure they're all in on Saturday night now. No late nights for the team. For the under seven. So Saturday I'll report night. back
0: on Monday. I'll actually be able to relate to Pep now. And uh, Graham Potter as well. Because look, it's really hard to pick a team, as I learned today. <laughs> and I think, especially if you spent uh, 600 million on 17 players, uh, Fergal, it's it's really difficult to, to pick a team. but but we were talking about the Ireland women's team earlier, myself and Al, and just how important it is to have that, uh, that, that consistency in your selection and, and the continuity. Um, he hasn't been doing that and he's been getting a lot of criticism uh, for it. Do you think we're going to see Chelsea start to pull themselves together playing West Ham um, tomorrow?
6: I'm not so sure. I, I've been kind of looking into this in terms of how they've performed at West Ham before. They don't have a great record away from home at West Ham since they moved from, from Upton Park to, to the London Stadium. And I know the World Cup has skewed a lot of this, but there's a stat that jumped out at me, which is they've only picked up one point away from home in the Premier League uh, in four months. Wow. And that's all under Graham Potter. That's, that's something to do with Thomas Tuchel before him. And I think... He still, he still doesn't know his best team he still doesn't know exactly what he wants to do um, and, I, and I go back to what I said a few weeks or a few months ago and, and I don't mean this negatively towards Graham Potter, I think he's a fantastic coach but I do still have a doubt about whether he's an elite level, Champions League level manager I want him to be, everything that he, that he stands for and everything that he does um, moves in the right direction but I, I look at the way Chelsea are performing and ultimately that's part of the nature of being an elite level coach knowing that they're constantly watching you for a mistake for a slip, for standards that are not where they are and when you're throwing the amount of money around that he has and Chelsea have since he's come in you're always going to be under pressure and I am, maybe not between now and the end of the season but in the summer I'm, I'm concerned for him because Todd Bowley's come in, spent a phenomenal amount of money and he does operate in that sphere as well of well the best get results and best win trophies why are you not winning this and you know he's not interested in in Graham Potter's five year plan or six year plan or whatever all these wild contracts that they're giving to new players the Premier League is, is very very ruthless particularly up the top if you're not performing to what the standards are being set by the ownership. And, and I think this weekend could be another one of those situations where West Ham, very solid at home. David Moy seems to have ridden the storm a little bit. They've got a good record against them. There's a bit of animosity because it's a derby as well. You throw Declan Rice into the middle of that as well. I, I, I think West Ham could, could cause them problems and it's just going to make Graham Potter's situation more and more difficult.
0: It does have a feeling, it does feel like a game like that, Al, doesn't it? Where West Ham could just rise to it
1: yeah absolutely Um, and I would agree with Fergal in terms of Moyes and it looks like they've kind of they're slowly but surely turning things Mm -hmm. around there and I'm glad because he was under pressure Moyes but because of the credibility that he's built up in the bank there as well over the last kind of 18 months two years it would have been such a shame if they they had got rid of him so I'm glad that they've stuck with him, and I think they will trouble Chelsea as well. But I'm, st- I'm still in the Potter camp, and I know Fergal is as well and wants him to do well. But I, I hear his doubts, and they're fair. I think they're fair doubts to have. But I think the only way. That people will get over those doubts is if he comes comes through this period and comes through this time and makes a success of this role. The doubts are there because he's never been in this position before, Murray And obviously he's been he's been awarded this opportunity because of the brilliant work and the back catalogue that he's built up at Brighton and the like. Um but now it's it's kind of deliver as such. And mm-hmm. he's had a the money's been spent, the players are coming in. He does need a bit of time to put his slant on things and put his shape on things, but I think to be fair to him, I think he'll come through it. I do. If he's given till the end, till the end of the season, which I think he will be now, I think we'll see a different Chelsea come to start of the season and him come out of this being I, the Chelsea I, manager. I, I don't. Do I you if know? They
0: don't start winning games like consistently winning games. They don't have to win trophies, but they have
1: to be winning games. Yeah, well, like and to be fair, like you look at the the game, the last game where. Um, you look at Fulham at the moment, the, Chelsea, the Liverpool game was a disaster. They were dreadful. But there was all that still stuff up in the air in terms of the January twa- transfer window and players coming in and Fernandes and Mudrick and all. They're all in now. But give him the time with the players now that, that are in and let's see how he gets on. So I think he has to be given till the end of the season, which he will. You're very much in Fergal's camp doubting him. But I'm sticking with him. I'm a loyal man.
0: I can see, like, as a dam there now, and uh, come.
1: no in leave the dam where he is. He's had enough glory. Let Graham Potter get on with it. <laughs> uh,
0: Fergal, that brings us on nicely to Liverpool, and we're just talking about doubts. Uh, so Jurgen Klopp has gave his players uh, two days off after the Wolves game. They are in action against Everton on Monday. He was speaking to the media today and explaining why he gave the players those days off.
7: You cannot even if you want to. You can, but it's not beneficial. You can train every day. So we play bad that will. The next day we came in and then we take the two days off. So we made an analyze. We talked to them, We spoke to each other. And then we gave them two days off because it's a very long time between Saturday and Monday. So, but of course, I could have said Sunday training, bam, recovery, whatever. And from Monday on, we go for them. Um... It wouldn't been helpful at all. It would have been bad. It would have caused injuries. It would have caused a lot of problems. And to be honest, on Sunday, after we spoke about everything, I thought 100% it makes sense if we don't see each other for two days. Um, and it was helpful. I, I, I left on Sunday in an average mood and came back. I was a good mood. And I worked through it. I had a lot of phone calls and stuff like this. But anyway, it was in a much better mood. So that's... Um, completely different mood to be honest um, and that's why it's very helpful so yes they benefited of it so that was very good
0: Fergal you were at his press conference today was he really in a good mood?
6: He was, he was I'd say a bit more of a philosophical mood I, I really liked that line about uh, the different moods that he was in and it, it made me think and there was, there was a lot of journalists there who kind of enjoyed it we've all been in a situation say on a Friday where you're thinking if I have to look at some of these people in the office again <laughs> I'd never before say Monday. Ah, no, God no, You're, I'm, I'm going to scream. So let's all just go get get away for the weekend, and you know, on Monday we'll reset. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, with people using that on Monday morning, with uh, with some colleagues, I think that's that's what he's trying to to bring in at the moment. Because we spoke about Pep Guardiola before, maybe being a bit short on answers about why Man City is struggling. I think Klopp also is as well because so much of what Liverpool have done well over the last few years on the pitch has been about their intensity their ability to outrun outfight, and outpress teams and break through presses when they've been put under under pressure as well and that's been a big thing that's been missing for them not just uh, since the start of 23 since the start of the season there's so many games now where you're used to Liverpool just bursting through teams it's just not happening they're, they're laboured in the build up they're getting caught in possession they're making silly mistakes And that's having an effect all the way through the team. And I think that's why he's gone for these two days off. Two days off are not going to transform the season. But I think it's a very logical move of going, the players need a break. And within a Premier League, when you've got a winter World Cup as well, it's very difficult to find a window to say, let's have a couple of days just to recharge the batteries and and, and go away. And these... He is in confident mood because he knows the quality that's in his team. He knows the experience that's in his team, and despite the fact that it is a derby, and Everton will be riled up, and Sean Dyche obviously did really well last weekend against against Arsenal. Top top managers and top players believe in themselves that when there is a difficult situation, they can react. And I think that was the that was a vibe that I got from him today. He enjoyed his couple of days off, and obviously the players did as well. But Liverpool will be ready for Everton on Monday. Whether that's enough because of the issues that I've just mentioned in the way that they've been playing I don't know but you get the sense that they did need this little bit of refreshing to get them ready for this game on Monday because Everton are going to come across Stanley Park and they are going to storm into them and if Liverpool are not ready then they could get turned over
1: It was completely logical and the right thing to do Marie to give them a little two days off but it's funny I had a chuckle to myself that In a bygone era, two days off back then, when you were going through a rough spell, was a session. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah and you'd go on. That, that's what you would have done. The old school way it would have been. Obviously, things are getting on top of us. We're all. We just need to let off Letters. a bit of steam here, and you would have had something like that, a bit of a blowout, and come back yeah. refreshed and ready to go. Not the modern more, way, no, yeah, but, and
0: especially with social media too. Yeah. Um, Fergal, thank you so much for joining us. We will no check in with you next week. Alan, stay with us because I know you love talking to Jane Mangan and uh, Shane McGrath. They're both coming up after this. 2 FM. Hello, welcome back. Alan Cawley is staying with me. We are going to turn our attention to hurling. Shane McGrath is with us on the line. Shane, it's a big weekend, and it actually is. I'm not over egging it. It is a huge weekend in hurling. Anytime that you have Clare and Limerick playing and Kilkenny and Tip, it's worth getting excited about, even if it's only the league.
8: Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely, Marie. It's a big weekend, and going by the team selection, I suppose. I mean, you see the Limericks team there anyway, they they're going at this strong like they have They kinda of have down as maybe eleven or twelve regulars as we'll call them, uh, featuring in their seven fifteen. They've made a good few changes in the Cork game and I think they they really want to to get a win like in their first their first home game, um, you know, in the league this year, first time back in front of their uh, their own fans this year since since the win in the All Ireland last year as well. So I think they're I think going by their team selection I read mean, that John Kylie's sending no message to we're, we're going for this and you know he's given a chance to Fergal O'Connor is playing cornerback and he's, um, he's maybe uh, an unknown outside Limerick Colin Coughlin is kind of a regular now he's going really well for him very solid in the half-back line Michael Hoolan, son of the great, oh, right. the great the great midfielder and then Shane O'Brien in the far as well so I think Limerick are going very strong at Claire don't seem to like to name their teams, Marie, until um, kind of midnight the night before, so whether that's tactics or that's just tradition in Claire, I'm not sure.
0: We'd be very busy, you see, you know what I mean? You wouldn't be getting around I, it. I know that, yeah. <laughs> are Claire closing the gap, do you think, or will we not know until Saturday night?
8: Claire are definitely closing the gap, Marie, because 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 now Brian Lohan seems to have his best panel mm. You
5: know what I mean?
8: He has he has guys back that, you know, that didn't feature at all last year. Case in point. Aidan McCarthy, there, one guy, you know. I mean, he's back. Peter Duggan is back now as well. And um, Mac Rogers is in, is in flying form. You know, the experience he would have gained from last year. You know, what I'm trying to say is that, like, it's, it's not all on Tony Kelly. And I know Claire people are, are Claire Hurling people like that. It was never all on Tony Kelly. But from the outside looking in, more often than yeah, not, it, it, yeah. it seems to be. But now it's like, right, you have Peter Duggan, you have Shane O'Donnell. Yeah, because um, he, he
0: mightn't be playing because he didn't play last weekend. So, I mean, if he's not playing,
8: no,
0: you wouldn't be as worried as maybe you would have been a year or two ago.
8: Not, no, you wouldn't, no. Be, 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 because of the talent you have, because you have the best, uh, like, you know, you have a selection there, lads who are back from injury and stuff like that. So I think you have were, a were really good uh, really good spread of talent there like that Brian Lowen can pick from. So I think the, the gap is closing. I mean, that's, it was very evident in the Munster final last year, Marie, you know, they, they matched the physicality, they had the hurling, and they did that without a couple of guys which they had the option of, of of playing this year. You know, it fell apart from in the All-Arts semi-final, but as regards when they had to go toe-to-toe with the best team in the country, they were able to do it and they were able to match them and, and take them to extra time. So I, I think it's very encouraging times for, for Claire if they can keep everybody um, on the pitch and injury-free um, for the season, right? Shane, the naming of the strong team and the
1: changes from John kylie is that a reaction to last week's second half performance? Because I watched the match and at half time, I think they were eight points up and I switched over thinking, oh, they're, they're cruising. And when I switched back, I think it was back level 18 points all. I couldn't believe it actually, to be honest with you. Do you think that's a reaction to just what went on in the second half last week?
8: Yeah, I think it is, yeah. I mean, there was guys there that would have got their, got their goal, Alan. Um, you know, they, they, like Nicky Quaid is back in goal. So obviously they they feel Nicky needs to get back in goals and um, he's central to what they do. They've they've changed their corner back. They've changed um they've changed a couple of their forwards. Like will these guys get back in? Such is the competitive nature of Limerick and the talent that they have as well. That like I mean the lads who were started the last day and the likes of Michael Hool and Shane O'Brien and Fergal O'Connor coming in now. Like if they put their hand up against Clare um on um, tomorrow night, like they, they, the guys who they replacing, they might just they might not get back in. Like and. I mean, the hurler of the year. I don't. I don't think it's even in the country at the moment, Alan So I mean, you know, such mm-hmm. such is the depth of talent they have. But to answer your question, I think it is a reaction. I think it's like, look, that wasn't good enough for me. Now these lads are getting their chance. If they do it, you've just fallen down along the pecking order. And such is the such is the world of competitive sport, I suppose, Alan, Isn't it like? Absolutely, yeah.
0: Claire needs to start beating them, though, Shane. Yeah, yeah
8: they do. Definitely. Which are like, I mean. I was looking like talk about Tip Kilkenny in a second. Tip needs to start beating Kilkenny down in <laughs> Kilkenny too. Like, we, you know what I mean? We haven't be, we haven't beat Kilkenny since 2008 in the league in Olin Park. So That's it, mad, it, isn't it? it? It's a long time. Like, I, even the likes of me were playing Marie, and I'm oh. out and I'm nearly an yeah. now. So I'd say so Kilkenny like,
0: loved love it. Like love, he coming to town. Love
8: the soft, Tipperary yeah, lads, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> The Rare <laughs> lads and the, the, the fortress at Nolan Park. and well, we'll talk about that in a second, but like, say, Clare, like, I think Clare do need to get a win mm. over Limerick. I really do, yeah. You know, like, as in, for the group, like, you yeah. know, I mean, it's early doors, but I mean, the Cork group will be absolutely buzzing this buzzing. week before they're Training, going up to play Galway because they, yeah. you know, they bet Limerick. Yeah. You know, and the fans love it. That
0: there's going to be 30, over 30,000 down That's in Limerick.
8: Yeah. yeah, there'll be an absolutely huge crowd. The appetite for the league, lads, is yeah. unbelievable, regardless of what we're going to get out of it. You know, long term yeah. but I think take it match for match that's, that's my opinion on it take it for what it is take it for the game and remember that they're getting ready for the big showdown um, in, in a few months time and I think we got, we, we got a great treat there last week and look I think, I think it'll, be, it'll be another feast there this weekend they were it be great but look biased or not Kilkenny and Tip is a game of the weekend lads, cause, uh, for the following reasons right? Tip are going down there uh, haven't beaten them since 2008 as I said in the league lost a good few times lost two league finals down there since Uh, it's the first game in Nolan Park lads post Brian Cody so uh, any neutral at all will be going to that game to see how Derek Ling is on the sideline Liam Cahill will have you know, he'll want to see lads that got their go against Leash but really it was a non-event say right can you do it in the cauldron that is Nolan Park against Kilkenny so you know everything goes out the window when it's typical Kenny lads I've said it several times It's, it's it's like United and Liverpool, Ireland and England in the rugby. It just is, it takes is, on a life. Is it that, is it that big chin? Is it that? It big? is. It, it is. led. typically okay. Kenny. Mm. It, it does. It really does take on a life of its own. You know, a, a lot of neutral people who are living in surrounding counties, if they're anywhere within thirty miles of the Park, they'll be drawn to, to go to this game Sunday. You know, it's on early Sunday. Like it's, it, it's just, it's, it's a great atmosphere down there. The last time we were there, it was absolutely packed for the All Ireland Minor Final. It'll be, a, it won't be packed this Sunday there'll be a massive crowd there and the atmosphere to generate and people are going to see how, are, how is Derek Lean going to do after Brian Cody how are Dean Cahill how are they really doing how are they really doing let's see how they're really doing and here's a test for them against Kilkenny because look Kilkenny got a tougher game than Tip did against Antrim you know they, they, they got a good tough test in Corrigan Park they came out with six point winners Tip you know it, it, it was a non-event against Leash Leash are just they're miles off it like at the moment whatever seems to be going on there Oh, look, I think I, I, I think it'll be an absolutely uh, a brilliant event there, there there on Sunday, and just really hope that the, that the tip guys do come on top because we've had a lot of losses down in Olin Park. We just need to get a victory <laughs> down there now. And, you know, it, it definitely will be a motivating factor, like, for the for the players, I have no doubt.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's loads of people that would love to see Tipperary win. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Shane, last week we were, we well, you were giving out to me because we didn't mention that much Tip and Clare, but this week we're all about Tip and Clare and uh, the importance of the game. Um, just in terms of Derek Ling, right? So he, you know, we didn't get to see too much last weekend uh, because of the nature of the game. But this one... Um, is going to be huge all eyes are going to be on it um, he was asked about his style of hurling well the one that he seems to be implementing um, he said he's not sure if it's a new style of hurling um, after last weekend's game he said a lot of people are talking about it I'm not caught up, caught up on it um, ultimately when they get on the pitch they have to be able to make decisions uh, is he deflecting a little bit do you think he is introducing a new style?
8: Um, maybe maybe, somewhat to Kenny hurling Marie but not to hurling in general Like I just think like they are going short they are going short more because it's a possession game and like they're going short they're getting to an, an area to the pitch where they can deliver a better quality ball inside and I suppose traditionally we would look at Kilkenny as whoever's the goalie Owen Murphy whoever it is he's just looking for the half forward line or getting it in as far as he can whereas now you know they're looking for guys in full back half back line midfielders dropping deep so look I suppose maybe they're doing it a bit more they, like it's not as if they've never done it but they're probably maybe doing it a bit more now under Derek Lane he, 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 he had that style of play with the 20s It works very well for him, you know. People have to realise this guy is um, a serial All Ireland winner himself as a player, and was involved with Brian Cody as well as a selector in uh, in 2014, 2015. Like in in these years when Kilkenny were winning All ireland and he knows what it takes as a player. He's been there as a selector uh, under, you know, maybe the greatest manager ever. So I I think that if he feels this style of play will suit this bunch of players, he has to take it on, on, on merit. Like, but I think he'll do whatever suits the group he has and. That's what he seems to be doing. And look, if there's one guy in particular I'm really looking forward to, if he does match up against Mikey Green, is it, Billy Drennan. Yeah. He's turned himself into... What,
0: did he get one
3: eight uh,
8: Yeah, but like it's, it's, it, he's, a, he's a serious hurler. But he, the, the amount of... He's after bulking up, he's after doing in the last few months, Marie, is unreal. So if he got matched up against Mikey Breen who's a man mounting himself... I think that'd be a massive test yeah. for him if he, if he came time, over. Yeah. That you know. yeah,
0: yeah, that'd be worth the admission fee alone. Uh, Shane McGrath, thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Now it is time to talk racing, and Alan Noy's favourite person is on yeah. the line, Jane Mangan. Jane, I hope you. I hope you mean that. I do. You know, there's no. There's no hints of facetiousness in no. that. In that tone, is there? It's not a good Friday unless we talk to you, Jane. She loves you, Jane. Yeah. I even said on the two Johnnies earlier that I'd be talking to the superstar Jane Mangan and everybody knew. They all nodded. What can I say? Marie's got good taste. I do. So tell us, Jane, racing this weekend. You see, you do such a good job as well. You make my job easy. What what will we be be looking forward to?
5: Well, this weekend isn't last weekend. Let's be honest. It's not going to be the Dublin Racing Festival in terms of calendar, but we will see some Cheltenham Festival contenders put their credentials on the line and maybe put a seal on their ticket to Presbury Park. We see Warwick tomorrow. Small fields, unseasonably dry weather in the UK at the moment, leading to quick enough ground. Hence the Kingmaker is a very uncompetitive race. One to four, I think, the odds are currently about John Vaughn. In the very next race, it's the Mayor's Hurdle, and that sees Love Envoy also odds on for Harry Fry and Jonathan Burke. But it's a more competitive card at Newbury, where we see the Betfair Hurdle, a full field, going to post for this very lucrative event. And Filey Bay, for the Irish, is top of the market Emmett Mullins and Donna Myler, Bridley Bay in the first time colours of JP McManus, is, is one of two contenders for the Irish team because William Mullins is sending over Ikea Allen in the very same colours as well. This is a competitive handicap, but off a mark of 133, the bookies have him at the top. Paul Nichols will have double whammy of uh, contenders in the two big races at the same track. The Game Spirit, sponsored by Betfair over two miles, the favourite there is Grenatine. To beat Elixir, the nuts, and last year's runner up in the Queen Mother Champion Chase, Fernando Sibla. And then the Denman Chase, the two, the grade two over two miles, seven furlongs. It's got Hitman. Currently around five to two, but he really should get the job done here against Eldorado Allen and Sam Brown, Flash and Cobb, et cetera. But that's the, the across the water action. There's some racing here at home as well. We've got to Nace tomorrow. The Opera Hash Mayor's Chase is the feature race there at 25 past three. Ellie May taking on Dino Blue and Magic Dave. JP McManus and, and Willie Mullins have the top two contenders there, and you'd be very surprised if the two of those don't come out with that. And in Navan on Sunday, there's two very good races at Navan on Sunday featuring the 10-up novices chase. I like Churchstone Warrior in there for Jonathan Sweeney. Aidan Coleman coming over from the UK to take the ride in on him after being second in a grade one at Christmas to Gaia de Manila at Leopardstown. You've got Darren's Hope, Francine, Mahler Mission, well, the Mission actually has a good chance as well for John McComin, but I like Churchstone Warrior. And in the Boyne Hurdle, now there'll be a couple of horses in the Boyne Hurdle running in this with a view to maybe going back over bigger obstacles. One of those will be Delta Work. I'd imagine this is him maybe putting a seal on his preparation for Cheltenham. Rachel Blackmore taking the mountain last year's cross country winner at the Cheltenham Festival. More likely types, maybe Blazing Cows off all since last spring, will he bounce back with a view to putting his credentials on the line for the hurdle at Sheldon, Sire de Burley, needs to uh, get back into his best form if he's going across the water. St. Sam is the one I like in here. Two miles five Furlong. He looks like he's got this trip written all over him and I think Willie Mullins has found a good spot. Jane? Absolutely
0: perfect. As always, we will talk to you next week because that is all we have time for. But before we go, we've got to announce the winner of our PwC competition. Tonight's answer to our question where is tonight's Ireland under 26 Nations game against France on and the answer is Musgrave Park and the lucky winner of 400 euro is Lynn O'Donoghue from Blackrock in County Louth so congratulations to Lynne and don't forget you can watch tonight's under 20s game between Ireland and France on rte 2 with kickoff at 8pm um, so that's us that's us for Friday Brilliant on
1: Marie congratulations Lynne enjoy your weekend yep.
0: um, thank you everybody for tuning in uh, the official chart show with Blonda Tracy is up next
7: RTE 2FM.